We are recording now. We are live, I think. Live from Studio 6. Well, it says recording, but... Is there a timeline happening? Uh, yeah, kind of. Fade out is working really well right now. Boom. The fade out was a uh, a tremendous success. So is this the real deal? I think this is the real deal. All right. This is uh, the Theology Thursday podcast brought to you by Uncomfortably Christian. Uh, This is me, AJ Mondin, uh, and I'm here with my good friend, Daniel Davalos. Hello. Hey, Daniel, before we get started... Uh, because of copyright laws, uh, I think we need to talk about that song, don't we? In yes. a sort of analytical way. Let's analyze it and or parody it and or uh, critique it. Well, it makes me feel kind of sad. So <laughs> uh, I don't know if that counts as analyzing That's anything. really deep. But um, I really like the, the part where it goes, do 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 Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's deep. I like that. Uh, that's and my favorite part too. Is where it just goes da 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 <laughs> da, da da da. You know what would make it better though? What a reggae horn. <laughs> oh, such as that one. Yeah, such as that reggae horn. All right. So I, I believe you. You know what I'm thinking is if we're analyzing it from a critical perspective, what they really missed out on was like adding in a DJ. Who would just do like a reggae horn? They needed a hype man. That's what they needed. Really, was a hype man. Yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. So they needed Little John. Is that what you're telling me? Possibly. Little John needs to be less confident, though. Every once in a while, he just needs to be like, maybe, not sure. Is that an old Chappelle show? I don't. I don't know. Maybe, or maybe that's an original. I don't think that's a Chappelle show rip. I think you're. I think you're get blazing your own joke there. Hopefully, if it is someone else's joke, please don't you know come after us on on Twitter. Uh, anyway, just so I think we properly analyzed that. Yes, that was good. Plus, plus some. Yes. So there you go. There it uh, is. This is our theology Thursday podcast, as I have said. And so, what we want to do is. Uh, uh, after we analyze a random song so we don't get copyright infringement, is look at, uh, me and Daniel have been reading uh, The Institutes of the Christian Religion by John Calvin, uh, which, you know, if you're not doing anything, uh, is something to do. <laughs> it is definitely something that can be done. That is the worst endorsement ever. <laughs> uh, I think most people are, as they're, as they're listening to me say that, are eye-rolling. I can hear the eye-rolling I can feel the judgment and the hate coming through. That's some vigorous the, eye rolling. The, the, it's vigorous eye rolling. I can feel it coming through the internet. I just, you know, I can feel that pain. Uh, <laughs> kind of the judgment and the hatred. Uh, maybe I'm dis, just, uh, I'm traumatized. But this isn't uh, Therapy Thursday. It's Theology Thursday. Mm. Mm, that's deep. So, uh, yeah. So right now we're going to look at uh, John Calvin Institutes the Christian Religion, and we're going to look at uh, Chapter One, Point One, and Chapter One Point Two. So only about uh, two paragraphs. So at this rate, we should be done in seventy-six years. (laughs) But uh, you know, these two uh, two paragraphs are pretty good. 
So, uh, Daniel, can you give us just a quick outline of like where he's going to go with these two, and then we can kind of dive in, uh, or what's what's happening in these two sections, these two mighty paragraphs? Yeah, sure. So, um, John Calvin has this really interesting concept that I'm not sure if it's if it's a John Calvin original, but it's definitely he distills it very well. Where basically he says that knowledge of all things must derive from knowledge of ourselves and knowledge of God. And that's kind of the groundwork that he lays down for the institutes of the Christian religion, uh, which he talks about. Um, I mean, the whole like first few chapters of the book is uh, dealing with knowledge and where knowledge comes from and what knowledge leads us to. Yeah, absolutely. And it definitely, I know that this is, uh, this is definitely a starting point for most philosophies and for a lot of. Uh, I don't know how much theology starts here, but definitely philosophy has always started with what can we actually know? Like, what are the possible things that we can know in life? What are, uh, you know, what can you be sure of? You know, Rene Descartes, I think, therefore I am. So I can be sure that I exist, Mm -hmm. uh, sorts of things. John Calvin here is starting out to say there are only two things you can know at all, uh, is you can know yourself, you can know things about you and how you interact with the world and how you relate to it. And he says, and you can know things about God by the world and by how it's how it works and how it's how it's made. Uh, so, what do you what do you think is kind of the implications for that for him moving into that? Well, I think I think he's he's very clear about the fact that um, any knowledge of God that we may have is going to be an imperfect knowledge. And for that same reason, any knowledge of ourselves that we may have is going to be an imperfect knowledge. Um, yeah, and, and, and when he sums it up in, in the way the sections are laid out, he says that knowledge is basically the sum of true wisdom. Yeah. Right? So, so what is it? I mean, what do you think that means? The, well, I think what it means is like you can't understand anything else without kind of this baseline of knowledge. You're not going to, you know, you won't understand the way the world works unless you understand sort of yourself and the way God has designed it. Um, so, you know, if you look at maybe in our world, we look at, we see sin and we see a bunch of bad things happen. If you understand the world through the lens of sin and fallenness and brokenness in the world through yourself and through the way that God made the world as good and it is, you know, declined, it has been broken, the relationship has been torn. If you do, if you see that, uh, I think that radically changes how you view the world and what you do in the world and how you act in the world. Things are no longer just um, bad things that happen mm. randomly, but they are the causes of a fundamental problem with human beings, which is that we're sinful and broken and messed up. Uh, yeah, so I think that's the implication for that is that the implication of that is we view the world in a fundamentally different way as Christians. Mm-hmm. We see the world fundamentally differently than the way the world will see it. Even though we may identify some of the same problems, the solutions that we have to them are, are very different because we see the root problem, um, not just the kind of symptoms sure. being sin and brokenness versus just you know bad behavior. So kind of the, the knowledge of God is the lens through which we view all other knowledge. Yeah, the and knowledge that's of true God. wisdom. And and also the knowledge of ourselves is I think, you know, Calvin here says that uh, you can only know God by seeing how infinitely bad you are, <laughs> how infinitely finite and infinitely uh, limited you are, then you see 
how great he is, how much bigger he is than you are, how much infinitely better he is. And only then, once you see how infinitely better he is, do you then actually understand how limited you are. So it's kind of, it's, it's work, they work on each other. You see how limited you are, you seek out something greater than yourself, and then you see how much greater he is than you imagined. And therefore, you, you get a lower, even a more lower, lower in the sense of humble view of yourself. Hmm. Uh, yeah, and, and I think that's really interesting about Calvin's theology, because he's basically saying that to have true knowledge of self, you have to have true knowledge of God, but to have true knowledge of God, you have to have true knowledge of self, which is kind of what you're getting at, is yeah. that it's a cyclical thing. It's not like you can start at one point and then arrive at the other. They're both, uh, they're both interacting, both, I guess, types of knowledge are interacting yeah. with each other the whole time. And I think it's interesting. He, um, one quote that I think is, is really cool that he uses to kind of summarize this is, uh, just as an eye to which nothing but black had been previously presented deems an object of, of a whitish or even of a brownish hue to be perfectly white. Yeah. Right. So I think that's the classic, like if, if all you've ever seen is, is not God, mm-hmm. right. Assuming that in this metaphor, uh, not God is the color black and God is the color white. Yeah. Right. If all you've yeah. ever seen is not God, then you don't actually know what white is. Yeah. Right. Um, but at the same time, you won't actually know what black is. Right. You're once kind you've of, seen, uh, unless you've seen like what white is. Yeah. It's almost uh, to get real deep here on Theology Thursday. It's like the it's my uh, you know philosophy classes are flying back into my head, and so if these are wrong, someone. Um, don't assault me on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, it's almost like kind of Plato's allegory of the cave. Yeah. That you've been kind of stuck viewing the world in this one way for so long. Uh, and I think that's what he says, even the whitish hue. Like, you don't even get a glimpse of even God. You just get a glimpse of something that's good. Mm-hmm. And you realize that that thing is, that something that is kind of intrinsically good is better than than you or better than what the world really is like overall the world is um is dark like without without the gospel without um goodness i mean this is why we make movies about people that are selfless and give give their whole lives away in service and you know really love and care for people because it doesn't happen very often Mm -hmm. like most of us are selfish and (laughs) and don't care about other people sure uh that's why we make movies about people who do because we all want to be inspired to believe that there's something better out there uh, so why, um, let me see if I can think of a good way to ask this question, but I think pretty much everyone can agree that the world isn't as it should be. Yeah. Right. So based on what Calvin is telling us here, um, and maybe if we can go back to scripture to, you know, have, have, have a broader understanding. You want to use scripture on theology Thursday? <laughs> I know it's shocking. Um, but there it is. Uh, that is plus two Jesus points for me. Hey. So I guess my house in heaven is going to have three windows instead of instead of just one window. Um, but uh, what was I going to? Oh yeah. So everyone can basically uh, can basically affirm the idea that the world isn't as it should be, right? Yeah. Um, but people see this not always necessarily having a knowledge of of what the world should be like. Yeah. Right. So it's almost like this, like, Oh, the world isn't the way it should be, but I don't actually know what it should be. 
Yeah, that's actually a really kind of interesting point. Uh, yeah, that's it's so deep. I'm like, I'm like trying to think through it right now. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think. Well, that's. I think what you're you're saying is sort of the one of the great apologetics for the Bible, mm-hmm. which is to say that Scripture gives us not only a vision of the way the world was, the way that God made it, but the way God is making it in Jesus mm-hmm. Christ. Like in in the end, like what is going to be, this is kind of the, the, the whole narrative of the Bible is building towards this God's resolution to the problem of sin and darkness in the world, which is he's remaking it. The fabric of the universe has been torn and into that he inserts Christ and Mm. is, and is in that remaking the world. And I think that's sort of the compelling case for Christianity, which is to say, this makes a lot of sense. Uh, this has a lot of explanatory power in that when you when you read the Gospels this way, when you read the story of creation, fall, redemption, consummation um, in this way, it really makes narrative sense of your world around you. Mm-hmm. When you see like, when as Calvin does, when you see kind of your own sinfulness, you look to more. When you see kind of your... Your own when you just kind of get fed up with yourself, uh, because we all have great hopes and dreams for what we're going to become, and we we never do become that. Uh, unfortunately, we just never live up to our own expectations for ourselves. Sure. And so you see that, and you realize that it's not the way it's supposed to be. That things aren't right, and you get caught up in this. And so in that, you realize yourself that you're not what you should be, and then you looked for something greater in the world. Mm-hmm. But that greater thing is not just a new philosophy. It's a it's a person who's working in the world to make it the way that it should be. Yeah. Creator. And I think that's that's the uh that's the main difference, right? Is that um a lot of worldviews what they'll look to is is a philosophy or a way of life mm-hmm. to restore the world to whatever sort of ideal situation it's supposed to be. Um, but what the Bible affirms us, and I think what Calvin is getting at, is that it's not this this vague philosophy that's going to fix everything. It's a person, right? And and the Bible tells us tells us that that person is is Jesus, yeah, um, or God, or all three in one. There's there's another one you missed that you left out. Yeah, the the uh, holy on. holy ghost. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, see, yeah. So I think, I think that's, that's really point. And I think, um, a lot of what, what Calvin derives his, his theology from, at least in this instance is the idea of, of general revelation. Yeah. Uh, which general revelation is basically the way God is revealed in creation, right? Without him revealing himself to us, such as in the Bible or, you know, through a prophet or whatever, like just looking at creation, experiencing life and experiencing creation, you can get a sense of the sublime. Yeah. Sort of a spoiler alert, uh, where he's going to go with this is like, you know, he's going to say God made himself clearly known in creation. Uh, but human beings are so clouded by sinfulness that they don't see it. Mm -hmm. And that's straight Um, up Romans one. Hello. Hey, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but yeah, that's where he's going to go with this. But then he's going to, he's going to talk about how like, 
uh, natural theology and kind of the world around you is enough that you can see the world and know that God exists Mm -hmm. and know things about God. But we're so sinful, we can't know enough, and that's why we have Scripture. Yeah. Um, But just kind of wrapping up this, because we want to make sure that these are short. We don't want to go on and on, uh, you know, forever, uh, even though we probably will eventually. Uh, (laughs) But just, you know, kind of concluding our 20-minute theology dive here into Calvin, what do you think is sort of the practical application of this? Like, because Calvin wrote these, he didn't, uh, you know, as someone who's done a foray into research of Calvin, like... He didn't write these just for heady um, scholars. He wrote these for pastors. He wrote this as eventually, you know, at the beginning, it was kind of an in- introduction to Christianity, and it's it grew, but it was always meant to be, it was meant to be read. It's not one of these kind of big magnus opuses that aren't meant to ever be, to be read. Yeah. So what do you think was, what do you think something we can take away from this? Um, that's an interesting question. I think... I think especially when you look at who Calvin is or was, um, you know, kind of dealing with arrogance a little bit. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the time he, uh, you can almost feel him preaching to himself through his writing because he talks about how knowledge of God should humble us. Right. And I think, I think, um, I think one thing that I, that I can draw from this is, is the fact that when I see my life compared to the holiness of God, that should humble me. Um, but I guess applied that to a, a wider Christian theology or a wider Christian doctrine, um, it should humble me, but not to the point of despair. Uh, right. Because it's so tempting to just focus on how much you suck, on yeah. how crappy you are. Um, and I think, I think that's why it's important that he talks about the knowledge of man and the knowledge of God. Because it balances itself out. You're humbled. You realize that you are crappy, but then you realize how great God is. Yeah. I think uh, part of it is, especially, it's, it's amazing to me how sometimes guys from the 16th century can speak to our, our present day. Uh, and I think that just has to do with human beings. Human nature doesn't change. Mm-hmm. Like overall, the world that we live in grows and moves and and fluctuates and there's nothing new under the sun. Yeah. But at the end of the day, like human beings are fundamentally the same. Yeah. Uh, and I think, I think, uh, what Calvin would say to us today is, you know, you, we're all about searching for kind of a true self. We're all about searching for, uh, you know, our innermost being. And I think what he would say is you are looking to so many things but that ultimately God, you will find yourself only in God. You'll only understand mm. yourself in God, in this story, in this, you know, worldview of the Christian world. This is the only way you're ever going to understand the yourself. It's the only way you're ever going to understand why you keep messing up, you know, why your self-improvement doesn't work. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think that's I think that's sort of the practical is, you know, Find yourself by finding God. Mm, that's and good. On that one tweetable moment, uh, thank you so much for. Uh, on that one tweetable moment, uh, it's like our Top Gear uh, send off on that bombshell. <laughs> on that one tweetable moment, it is time to end. So uh, thanks for listening. Uh, Daniel will be, uh, and I will be 
back in a week, maybe. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. We'll be back at some point. Good job, Daniel. <laughs> uh, just follow us on uh, on Twitter. Yeah, visit uncomfortably-christian.com. Uh, I think that's the one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> if, if it isn't, I'm going to record a different... Uh, we'll just record a different uh, ending where I will uh, say the right web address. Yes. But until then... Uh, it's uncomfortably-christian.com, uh, and there's a link to some Facebook and some Twitter on there. Uh, what's your Twitter handle, Daniel? My Twitter handle is at Daniel Davalos. Can you spell Davalos? Uh, I cannot. Just kidding. Yeah. D-A-V-A-L-O-S. Nice. And my uh, Twitter that I hardly ever use that I'm going to have to use now that I'm putting it on here is uh, at A-J underscore Aldo, A-L-D-O. So there you go. Both names. Uh, Yeah, grace and peace be with you.